This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. Here's the scenario. You've been injured in a serious accident. The doctor says your recovery could take months, maybe even years, yet your insurance company is denying your claim every step of the way. If something like this happens to you, call me, Brian Goldfinger of Goldfinger Personal Injury Law. We have offices in Toronto, London, Peterborough, and now Kitchener-Waterloo. Visit goldfingerlaw.com and get us working for you. Hey, that is the Raptors' first game of the season, losing 98-83 to to the Washington Wizards. No player scoring more than 12 points for the Raptors. Some notable shooting performances, 5 of 20 from Fred Van Vliet, 3 of 17 for OG Ananobi, 2 of 9 for Gary Trent Jr., 1 of 10 for Chris Boucher. The offense was a, a massive struggle. As you know, if you've been listening to this podcast, uh, you probably would have watched this game and said, wow. Well, if if you think about me when you watch the game and say, I wonder what Sam will say about this stuff. I wonder, or do you think back to what I had said previewing the team? Uh, this was a pretty good distillation of all the things I thought would go wrong. No shot creation in the half court. Pick and roll was just abysmal. And uh, the defense underperforming its talent, although it did come on a little bit when the game kind of got helter-skelter later in the game. But anyway, yeah, the Raptors lose quite handily. They were at, you know, arm's length pretty much the whole game, 98 to 83. This is the Raptors Reaction Podcast. I'm Rose Sampson Folk. And with the Raptors trying to create, you know, a new identity this year, trying to be a little bit more forward-thinking, I want to create a more digestible podcast. So we are going to introduce a, a really rapid wrap-up. That's what we'll call it, the rapid wrap-up. And you can set the jazz, well, the royalty-free jazz music. And I'll run through a quick, fun write-up of the game. The Raptors' first bucket is a Fred Van 3 off a Chicago action. The man from Rockford wanted to score first. Boogity, boogity, boogity. Precious playing like Booker T, as in Trevor Booker, with a little less booger. Scotty Barnes with a textbook left-handed sky hook, pairing well with the passes where he don't look. Fred wants to get to the rim, can't get it in, and everyone stands around looking at him. The pick and roll is a pick and no. They called Dragic the dragon, but he was dragging the Raptors offense for a stretch. Fouling everyone and bending out of sorts, the Raptors defense is as shoddy as an eight-year-old's fort. Down 20 at half and having a blast. OG's one for 10, but I'm zen. Picking the wrong spots and clanging off the rim like pots. And pans, both teams using those hands for steals, but the Wizards transition defense is a little more real. Down 81-59 after three. 
Ben hits, heaves, and makes reads. Delano in the open floor makes you ask for more. It's a bird, it's a plane, it's Banton driving the crowd insane. Who needs to win when you can just sub him in? A milk toast crowd made loud when they saw him and were wow. A fake comeback ensued, but they were always screwed. Your Toronto Raptors. That's right, in a loss, uh, but that's okay. This is gonna be a, a year of development, a year of trying things out. Uh, error, you know, that's kind of what we were seeing with OG Ananobi, three for 17. He would have never had a year like that last year. That is completely alien to his game. And now everybody's starting to stretch their legs. The early returns, not good, but that's okay because this is a development year. As far as styles of play go, though, I do think that this game was an example of having those classic initiating guards like Bradley Beal and Spencer Dinwiddie and then having guys who will eat glass, who are a presence, you know, it, because the Raptors, as we've noticed, at has, as has been talked about ad nauseum, not just by myself, but by many people across many different media scapes, they are playing a very wing-heavy style. Kem Birch is the only listed center on the roster. Hell, Precious Achua, I believe from Yahoo Fantasy, is listed as a small forward power forward. That's right. And he likes to dribble like one too, but the Raptors just do not play centers. Ken Birch can play center for stretches and has in his career, but, you know, maybe he's actually a power forward or whatever, you know, positions are meaningless, right? Yada, yada, yada. But the Raptors, they lack size, A, around the front court position, and B, they do not play prototypical lead guards. Fred Van Vliet, as I've talked about at length, is much better when he's off ball because he's such a good catch and shoot operator. He's a huge plus on defense. And most importantly, he cannot create that much out of heavy reps in the pick and roll. Get him some second side action, let him attack a rotating defense and make that skip pass to the corner. Sure, hell yeah. But when the Raptors early and often are asking him to create from a standstill in isolation and in the pick and roll, you're going to get a guy who I believe was like two for eight at the rim in this game. You're going to get a guy who's only able to create resets out of the pick and roll or pass out above the break. Couldn't even really find guys in the corner of this game. That's also not his fault. The infrastructure for him to succeed existed prior. And anything else when Fred is playing well is just, man, that's an incredible, uh, his willpower to make himself a valuable player when the context of this team is so clearly not running in his favor that's uh, every game will be very impressive for me going forward to see how Fred plays and that kind of stuff. But largely, you know, when the, the Raptors are down 20 at halftime, what is the problem? It's because they can't create shots easily. And unless they're creating, a you know, a butt ton of turnovers, which they did between the end of the third quarter and you know, over a decent length of the fourth quarter, creating turnovers, getting out and running. That's why during my little rundown, I talked about Delano Benton so much was because he wasn't truly the exact reason, although he's a large reason, but he was the signifier of the change of pace and play style that the Raptors took on where they made their little fake comeback. And I think they got to within 12 and uh, maybe even 10, but uh, it, it was because they were getting turnovers and they're getting on transition because they need to do that if they want to score the ball efficiently. If they're left to their own devices in the half court, it's going to get ugly. Now, does it have to be 
5 of 20 from Fred, 3 of 17 from OG Ananobi, that type of ugly? No, not at all. And I don't think it will be that very often. Although Fred Van Vliet having like a below 40% from the field shooting year seems well within the range of possibilities. OG Ananobi, is he going to be a guy who shoots close to 50% from the field? If this is what his shot diet looks like, it definitely is not going to be. Yeah, I think it would be extremely encouraging if OG was around 45% based on the shots he's taking now. A little bit more on that later, of course. But yeah, and so with the Raptors underperforming their defensive talent, what that means is that Fred, OG, and Anobi, and well, Pascal when he comes back, they're really good defenders. And they were last year, but they still didn't have a very good defensive year. And basically the reason for that is the Raptors defense called for very, very strong play from everybody all at once. It's a high stakes, high pace, tight rope act of a defense. And when you're not connecting together as five men on a string playing defense, things break down rather easily. And when the Raptors who have Precious Achua, I think Ken Birch had a better defensive game than Precious, but they started Precious and you have Goran Dragic who is much better in a zone defensively than he is in a, uh, in a man setup. But when you have a pick and roll that can just completely crumble your defense right away, and the Wizards definitely can do that with Spencer Dinwiddie and Bradley Beal, two phenomenal drivers in the NBA. Uh, Spencer Dinwiddie and Bradley Beal, you know, particularly Beal, championed as like a shooter, but actually a phenomenal driver. Those guys get into the paint. They cause rotation. They pass the ball out. Guys like Kyle Kuzma find gaps and uh, score the ball, even though he didn't shoot it super well in this game. He had a lot of opportunities. And just those little dump-offs to guys like Montrez Harrell or Daniel Gafford, the Raptors, when they're in rotation, and suddenly Goran Dragic is the low man because they're playing this aggressive brand of defense, and Precious Achua got left alone. I shouldn't say left alone, but just got beat out over by above the break, and you're looking at a team that's trying to contest with a guy like Gafford or Montrez Harrell. Montrez Harrell, my God, the guy loves to go down low and power up to the top. That is one of the biggest things you know, he, he is a garbage man around the bucket. And so when there's very little resistance at the top, that's when Montrez kills it. That's why Montrez struggled so much in the playoffs for the Clippers was because, and the Lakers for that matter, right, is because there are big, like the playoffs, small ball is not very popular in the playoffs. Big centers roam in the playoffs and they play really well. And Montrez trying to go up over top those guys doesn't work. Against the Raptors though, 22 points, nine boards, 81% from the field. Just absolutely eviscerated them. Had three offensive boards. You know, it's that's kind of what it is. And, you know, Kyle Kuzma grabbing like 15 defensive rebounds just speaks to how many long shots the Raptors put up. Because Kuzma doesn't go in there and grab everything around the bucket. He's kind of hanging out on the wings, grabbing the balls that fly a little bit further because there's a jump shot coming. And while the Raptors can at times provide that overwhelming smothering aspect of the defense particularly when they get guys like scotty barnes og ananobi and precious and delano benton to pop out on guys defensively especially above the break and if if you know fred van vliet is coming over for a dig down or he's guarding at the nail and he wants to pinch in that stuff it can be super overwhelming because all those guys are very very disruptive but for the most part the wizards were getting past that point or beating the Raptors to that point and already creating such an overwhelming advantage 
that the Raptors were just giving up buckets. 98 is not a huge amount of points for an NBA team to score. So I don't think this game is really, you know, it's not a referendum on the Raptors' defense. Their defense should be better than their offense this year. And both were pretty bad. Although the Raptors' defense, in you know, especially in that fourth quarter where they only allow 17 points, that was what kind of saved their defensive rating in this game, let's say. But it was that sustainable, that high pace, tight wire, that kind of defense. Is that something they can play for four quarters? Absolutely not. They cannot maintain that. And teams are going to see where you attack from. They're going to chunk that, the neuroscientific chunking of it. So they recognize the patterns of where your defense attacks from. And they're going to start making the reads. This is stuff. The, the base defense needs to be more controlled. They need to maintain the space of it better. And quite frankly, the, the Wizards, whether they're coming downhill in the pick and roll off a drive, or if it was just Bradley Beal at the, the free throw line extended isoing, the shape of the Raptors defense, it was misshapen. They could not maintain their shell, and they were susceptible to cuts into the middle repeatedly all night. So the defense, as, as much fun as it was for that, to see them, you know, play that fantastic turnover-heavy brand, uh, particularly in the fourth quarter, which was great. That was fun. It, it's not it's not sustainable, and they need to find a base package that works better for the guys there. And then, yeah, offensively, this game was really disjointed, which allows me the opportunity to just talk about the guys as we walk down, you know, the roster, like the box score. So Fred, trying to create from a standstill, I talked about all that already. OG Ananobi, this is a guy who there's been tons of, not by me, because I really dislike the Kawhi uh, comparison. Because Kawhi has like an insatiable taste for the rim, and he gets after it repeatedly. But OG Ananobi, if you were saying, whose game did it look like he was trying to emulate out there? The closest you could come to, right, is Paul George. A lot of wiggle and really a friend of the jumper tonight. Although, you know, he would have had six free throw attempts if he didn't get that, you know, the defensive foul that was overturned into an offensive foul when he jutted his knee out, which, you know, everybody knows, OG, that's something he's working on, but he really juts that knee out when he drives. It's a natural motion for him, but it is obviously, they don't want to reward that because defenders are going up straight with their arms extended and their bodies completely susceptible and getting an OG Ananobi knee in your ribs really, really sucks. So I understand why they call it the way they do, but it is natural for OG. Anyway, six free throw attempts would have been really nice. But basically, the biggest problem with OG's game in this one was early on, I really, really liked the process. It seemed a little bit more in the flow of the offense. And that's probably because the Raptors had a more, what would the term be? Hmm. Deliberate attempt to make their flow. You know what I mean? Like the, the offense was super disjointed outside transition, but early on, at least they were running some sets. OG was getting the ball in some somewhat advantageous positions, but over the course of the game, I think he slowed things down way too much and let the defense catch up so that it was just isolation basketball. Now, OG and Anobi having an isolation basketball bag, a dribble combo that he likes to go to, step backs, all that kind of stuff. That's huge, and I love that for his game. This is something I talked about in that huge piece I wrote about him. But more than anything, why he was so successful for so long as a tertiary piece is because he's so good at making defenses pay when they are rotating as a cutter, 
when he's relocating as a shooter and finding open space and punishing them that way. He can't forget that, and that needs to be applied with this new on-ball skill that he's working on. That's basically the thing. He was far too happy to settle for jumpers. That's basically the thing with this, is that OG, as far as his shooting talent, he shot way under his shooting talent in this game. But he also didn't make things easy on himself. He didn't give himself an easy shot die when perhaps there was a little bit easier one available to him. That's what you want to see with guys, is you want to see them maximizing what's given to them before they start taking stuff. And in isolation against the defense, you are taking. That is something the defense gets to get set. They get to send a guy out to defend you, and you just say, I'm going to beat that guy. But when a defense is scrambling and you take advantage of that, whether that's like a pump fake and a drive against a closeout or really quick decisions, that is that is how you beat defenses often, and that is how you really make yourself valuable on offense. Grease the wheels for your own offense. And OG didn't really do that. He made things tough on himself. Although uh, a lot of his dribble packages, a lot of the pull-ups did look smooth to me. So as far as that goes, I liked it. Okay, Scotty Barnes. My favorite part about this game was Scotty Barnes. Well, prior to Banton coming in and kind of like blowing up everyone's spot and being like, hey, you know, I'm an NBA player. I, uh, I can affect change. I can make some fun plays. But prior to that, Scotty Barnes in transition, he has a really rapid throw-ahead dribble to get transition started. He'll be even with guys, but as soon as he gets that rebound, he's two steps ahead. That is, I cannot stress enough how much of a positive indicator that is for the future because that's something like Russell Westbrook during his MVP years, MVP year, sorry, you could look at how much better the OKC offense was when Russell Westbrook was the guy who grabbed the ball. And that's because he was so quick to get out and transition and create advantages where maybe some guys who wouldn't push wouldn't get. Scotty Barnes grabs and pushes and creates advantages and had like a few really beautiful no-look passes. Seeing him operate in the open court was by far my favorite part about this game. The half court, still absolutely a struggle. The playmaking verve that dominated the narrative about him in the preseason and definitely was there, that 3-1 to assist ratio with, I think, 5-plus assists in most of the games that he played. That was all real, and he played really well in the in the preseason. But the Raptors also got to play out in the open floor more often the preseason. This game was kind of a slog, and the playmaking reads that were available to him in the preseason weren't really available to him as often in the regular season. This is something to watch for and to watch develop. It was, I was totally fine with Scotty Barnes. It wasn't like he didn't blow anybody's socks off. He had six turnovers, which was pretty wild, and he had five fouls, which speaks to how he's moving you know, I think two soft fouls, but, you know, fouls are fouls. You know, defensively, he he made quite a few mistakes as far as the spacing of the defense and how hard he was rotating or what timing he was bringing the rotation with. And spacing is something to keep in mind. When you rotate, you have to make sure that you maintain the spacing of the defense. You can't just rotate to a man. You have to rotate to a man and a space that help, that's helpful to your team. That's how the best defenders do it. Like Marcus Gasol, in his peak, was rotating to a man and to a space and was conscientious of both. Scotty Barnes is going to be a top flight defender in the NBA. So that's something I'm looking for from him in this one. Dragic, I mean, the only guy, basically, OG did it twice, but Dragic kind of off the bounce, got to the rim in the half court. 
it, it was kind of a revelation. Everybody looked around and said, wow, the Raptors can do this because they don't. And uh, yeah, but still pretty muted. I think pretty slow compared to the rest of the team. So he does seem like a mismatch aesthetically, especially for when the Raptors look at their best. But the half court, undeniably, if he would have gotten more possessions in the half court, the Raptors probably would have looked a little bit better there. But, you know, such is life. He wasn't getting those possessions. Precious Sachua, uh, kind of everywhere and up and down game. Uh, he loves to dribble, man. He's got a hell of a dribble package for being the size that he is. And when he's out in the open floor, he can give teams absolute fits because they have to try and account for him and his movement. Wasn't wasn't a great game, though. And his his pick and roll, the roll is way off. The pacing, the line he takes, all that stuff, not good. And as far as like catching stuff and presenting himself to the passer, not good. And so, yeah, something to look forward to. Ken Birch. Uh, decent Ken Birch game, I think. Of course, he, you know, he kind of got pushed around by Montrez over the span of quite a few possessions. But Birch, as far as the the motion defensively, some of those preventative rotations where he got to a guy before they could get to the rim, he's meeting them kind of closer to the free throw line, that kind of stuff. Great motion. Um, better on the glass than basically anybody else during the game. And a little bit of success moving off ball in offense. Yechan Jr. Uh, had those home run plays uh, defensively. Something I talked about in the in the preseason was it was kind of fun, right? Is to see a guy really like move like hell to try and blow up a, a pass. And he did that in this game. And that's the thing is like Gary Trent Jr., he you notice it when he blows up a pass, and you notice it when he doesn't. And he's he's been hitting on a lot of them lately, so that's good. Offensively. Couldn't find any room. Basically, anytime he put the ball on the floor, you knew what was going to happen. He's either going to dribble back out above the break or to the sideline. He just can't get on a straight line to the rim. He doesn't have the athleticism to beat guys off the dribble. We saw it against a few different, you know, archetypes of defender. The quick guard, the, you know, staunch wing, and the slow-footed big. He couldn't get by any of them. It doesn't really matter. That's not a part of his game. And... The Raptors, for what it's worth, couldn't really find him open shots. Like, he's a shooter. He'll take open shots when they get to him. And he had a 58% true shooting season with the Portland Trailblazers. He shot 40%, I think 42% from three the one year. Like, he'll hit open threes if provided to him. So the Raptors didn't do a good enough job of servicing his shooting. But that's kind of where we're at with him. Chris Boucher. Uh... Popped a little bit. Obviously, everybody knows Chris Boucher's whole thing. He's a super aggressive player coming off the bench. He's going to put shots up. He put up six threes. The Trey Boucher was absolutely working, but a pretty muted game outside of that. He was out there to get shots up. Defensively, he was... He didn't do much for me, personally. Uh, Svi Mikhailuk is uh, not, not a big game for him. And that's the thing about what I talked about in the write-up, what I talked about during those recap of the reaction podcast is that he's a guy who plays well off of other players creating advantages. Those backdoor cuts against the defense that's paying attention to something else. That doesn't work if the defense doesn't really have to pay attention or be engaged. So the legs were kind of cut off of his game. He didn't hate any of his threes. And that's kind of where we sit. Lano Banton, I mean... 
in the open floor, super fun, behind-the-back moves. Make He had a great pass to Chris Boucher, just led him into the spot. That was in the half court, too. And, of course, he hit the heave. And it's it's fun to see a guy operate in that capacity who is, he's not Magic Johnson, of course, and nobody really ever is, but a long, linguine tentacle boy out there on the break with these long limbs that can manipulate in and out of passing lanes and create different angles. It's fun to see him leverage all that stuff. I enjoyed it immensely. The The Banton experience was the highlight of this game, so I was really happy with that. But ultimately, the Raptors, 98 to 83, they lost this one, and uh, not particularly surprising, I wouldn't think. I, uh, I'm not super high on this Raptors team this year, although I do like many of the pieces. And uh, yeah, it's 98 to 83. Not, not very surprising for me, but that's okay. Uh, Reggie Evans Award, I'm giving it to Delano Banton. The hustle defensively, the huge cheer for him when he checked in, uh, the heave, a bunch of other stuff. How could you not cheer for him and say that this is his game. This is, you know, this is Banton's game. It's really, really fun. And uh, yeah, top quick reaction comment is from B underscore Leaf. Quote, FVV will be fine. One bad game. That's all. End quote. Yeah, Fred Van Vliet is always going to be fine. He's an overwhelmingly positive player. Were there indicators, like easy indicators, of how unsustainable this Raptors offense is with him at the head of it? Absolutely. Like, you don't look at this game and say, oh, this was just the product of bad shooting from Fred Van Vliet. No, the the offensive process is a product of the limitations of Fred Van Vliet. And on top of those limitations, which you know, are very, very easy to see in games like this. He also didn't shoot very well, but he's still a very good player. I, Raptors Republic comment section, I do not understand why they dislike Fred Van Vliet so much. The Raptors team is not using him properly. That's not his fault. He's ill fit in his role and he's just doing his best to, uh, to operate as a lead guard because, you know, is it behind closed doors that the Raptors are saying, Fred Van Vliet or that, you know, Fred Van Vliet and Pascal Siakam are having like an arm wrestle to see who gets to run the pick and roll. Probably not. But Fred Van Vliet gets to run way more pick and roll than Pascal Siakam, even though Pascal Siakam has way better numbers in the pick and roll. Is it those two guys deciding it? Probably not. The Raptors organization, Nick Nurse, Bobby Webster, Masai Ujiri, whoever is putting these guys in these positions and Fred Van Vliet is in a ill-fitted spot, an ill-fitted spot. And uh, that's not his fault. And he's a hell of a player. So when he's allowed to play to his role, and particularly I think we'll see that more often when Siakam comes back, then we'll see him start to pop off a little bit. But yeah, just it, it was a bad game for sure. Fred did not play well, but uh, he's going to be much better than that in a lot of the games this year. He really helps drive winning when he's on. He's a he's a very positive and impactful player. But anyway, uh, thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed the little tidbit at the start, I think it was really fun. And I think it's something I'm going to do for every game this year. Uh, let me know. Twitter, in the comments, or you know whatever. Just please let me know. I'd, lo- I'd love to hear the feedback. But thanks for tuning in. Whether you got into this in the morning or at night. Have a blessed day and goodbye.